Hey everybody, my name is Alex. You're listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Thanks to everybody who's been listening to the episodes lately, especially the last episode I put out, which was um, One Piece, which was One Piece film Gold. From it's a One Piece movie from 2016, and it is really cool because it is the One Piece team wanted to make an Ocean's Eleven movie, and it's very fun. Um, so if you haven't seen that movie, I know you can go rent it over on, um, Amazon Prime. Um, I'm not sure it's streaming many other places, but I, I, I'm sure you can find it. But the, but thanks for listening, thanks for listening and putting up with, um, the audio hiccups. If you have, you are, I deeply thank you. Um, but I think I've resolved them all. I don't want to say that this time because, um, for sure, because every time I say that, the, um, audio still seems to come out fucked up somehow, so I want to make sure that I am doing this right. Um, the reason why the Sunday editions sound so good is because I'm literally five feet from my iPad not five feet, like five inches from my iPad in bed recording this stuff. That's why it sounds stable because it's not being recorded on my, um, on my, like, audio and video and everything capture station upstairs, which eh, has some janky moments. But, um, that said, I wanted to talk about something that I thought was kind of interesting this week. Um, for a bunch of reasons, and, um, let's start with where we, where we just were. When I was talking about, um, One Piece Film Gold, I said, you can go and rent it over on Amazon, but I didn't know where else it was available. And what I want to talk about here is, I want to talk about, um, collector culture. And what I mean by collector culture, lots of you can probably already guess, is... Um, I don't know how far back it was. It was maybe, it was maybe in 2015, hilariously enough. Um, it was actually in the early aughts when streaming was prevalent enough where, you know, everybody had Netflix, everybody had streaming Netflix, because for a while Netflix was a DVD service. Um, you can still do that. It's called DVD.com, and it's insane. Um, but basically, every physical media was starting to fall off a cliff when I was about in, um, say, I want to say high school. Physical media was starting to fall off a cliff when I was in high school. When I was in middle school, it was still the, like, era, the big DVD and, um, V, and even VHS era, and I'm probably hearing you saying, but Alex, I just, you know, dropped an uncomfortable amount of money on anime Blu-rays and DVDs, to which I will tell you I did too, um, I, I hit that right stuff sale, not super hard, but hard enough, so what I will tell you about when everything was falling off a cliff is one of the things that 
helped put anime on the map for a lot of companies. A lot of companies get all kinds of research and data, and they notice that the only... The only physical media market that wasn't just, like, joining hands with everybody else and jumping off the bridge was anime. And the reason why anime wasn't jumping off a bridge is because anime has always been about stuff, if that makes any sense. Um, The, like, the biggest the biggest giant robot anime, Gundam, Gundam's goal is to get you to build Gundams in real life. It is to get you to buy a model kit and to build Gundams. You can um ask um a guest on this show about that. Alan is a total Gundam building aficionado. He like has boxes of them. I've I've literally seen his boxes of Gundams. <laughs> He's he's cut down on them since he moved to his own place, but since he moved to a new place, but still, it's like it's a lot. <laughs> and so the, the the tendency for someone coming up through the com, coming up coming into anime is to be greeted with the sheer amount of stuff you can buy. And this is something that's true of lots of nerd culture. This is um true of um of like it didn't used to be true of lots of nerd culture. It used to be tr- it used to be true in the way that like you just had tons of trade pa- paperback comics, but those are relatively cheap. Believe me, I know. I um read them for a for the podcast I do with my friend Lauren every 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 two weeks we do a podcast about old night old seventies X Men and at the beginning of that I just went on to Comicsology and just I bought the whole run the, I bought the whole run we were covering for something like forty bucks. And that's like at like a dollar a comic, so like Hundred and thirty nine issues, I think, is what I ultimately got, or something close to that. But, um, the long and short of it is, is that anime was conceived with the idea of a multimedia play at its heart. So, um, what I mean by that is it. Anime as an industry is designed to appease to to appeal to people who like to collect stuff. Um and so it makes it really easy to be like a very makes it very easy to be a very physical person with your anime habit. So if you really like a show with with and there's going to be exceptions to this now, especially with the Netflix stuff. You can go out and you can buy that show. You can go out and you can buy a DVD print of most anything you've seen. And I want to stress this. I want to stress this especially. 
that includes stuff you don't see DVDs of on things like Right Stuff or Amazon, although I would, I would really recommend you go to um, Right Stuff for your releases instead of Amazon. Amazon has a lot of the same stuff, but it's just something, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but something about Amazon just doesn't fit right, and I'll get there in a second. Um, but the the tendency to just amass stuff is certainly there, and the tendency to for the industry to want you get to want to get you to place importance on that stuff is also there. For example, um, if you get into figure collecting, you can spend thousands of dollars in a matter of hours if you're not careful. I have, um, I want to say, I have maybe 50 or 60 anime figures. I don't, which, to be clear, is not a huge collection. But you could very easily, and so what I do, what I do with the, um, with my physical collecting now, because when I started as, uh, when I started as a fan of anime, the only real way to enjoy anime was through, um, DVD and VHS tapes. So, like, if you wanted to watch something, you kind of needed to have the physical thing. Whether you rented it from the video store or you owned it yourself, you needed to have that thing. So, uh, I spent a large portion of my formative years just buying anime DVDs and box sets and stuff like that. And then... Crunchyroll, so then iTunes came along, and iTunes is a specific thing. I watched all of Rumbling Hearts on iTunes. I own, um, I didn't watch it on this, but I own, I didn't watch it first on this, but I own, um, all of Macross Plus on iTunes. And digital, one of the things that was, that was always really difficult about not just anime, but any kind of nerd culture is it was difficult for people to be super casual fans of that stuff before the advent of streaming. And the reason why that is, is before the advent of streaming, you, you had to you had to invest a ton of money into your fandom. Now a you know a young kid can be given a Crunchyroll subscription for I think the least you can pay for Crunchyroll is like six bucks a month, which is which is low on the streaming scale at this point. Um, I think I pay like I think I pay the maximum, which is like twice that or something. Um, for my Crunchyroll subscription, because I have, like, the Ultra tier or whatever the fuck. Um, I signed up for it a billion years ago, and I barely noticed it come out of my bank account, so it's fine. Um, but the, the, 
the barrier of having to go and to buy and to buy and to specifically to buy something blind is kind of gone, which is great. But the I, but the downside to that, and I've talked about this before, is you don't really own anything. And one of the reasons why collector culture is still live and well in anime is because just because the particular of anime not being a thing that is primarily produced in not just the West, but America. The, anime fans have a unique relationship with the actual with with content with with the content they're consuming and with like and with media rights deals i the general anime fan a, a not the general anime fan but i imagine like a just a hair step above that can probably tell you, you know, who who Crunchyroll's owner company, own it, like, controlling state company is. Like, they can tell you that it's AT&T. They can tell you that it's, um, the AT&T is looking to unload it because they've got too much stuff. They can tell you all this very specific, they can tell you all these very specific things about just the business of anime that is, this something that's part of the fandom after let's say let's say you make it out of the first two years because many 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 anime fans are only super into anime for about two years in um america it that just that's the life cycle that's part of the reason why not just i but lots of people do um repeat do repeat performances of panels because we know that the life cycle of a fan is of an anime fan generally is really short so like being an old fogey has actually a lot of value because people just don't stick around that long lot lots of times this is true of any fandom but it is kind of notoriously true of anime fans. Um, nothing you don't, like, encounter a lot and have a lot of fun and see a lot of stuff in that period, but you, like... But let's say you make it out of the first two years. You're required to know all of this stuff about... You know what's streaming where, what's streaming, what's streaming where, how long it's licensed. You know why they dropped the music from this thing because they didn't they got the license to the show and not the music. Where to watch the original version? Where to watch a sub? Where to watch it dubbed? And this is something that people are um, starting to get into now because of the fracturing of the streaming market because. Uniquely enough, because of the pandemic, all of these streaming services are more valuable because we're watching them on our home theater setups, our TVs, our laptops, our iPads. Not so much our cell phones, but sometimes our cell phones. And they're all fighting for rights, so 
if you remember when, if you remember, oh, the ages ago when HBO Max launched, they had the entirety of um, Harry Potter on it. Now Harry Potter has vanished because they made a media deal with the entirety of the Harry Potter franchise. And to an anime fan, they look at that and they're like, oh, so it's like when, like, Ghost in the Shell disappeared off, was supposed to disappear off of, um, Hulu. I get that. But, anyway, so, a huge reason why you might want to be a physical collector is because you keep seeing shows that you like enough where you always want to have access to them. So, like, I want to... Like, I always want to be able to watch um, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So I bought the Blu-ray set on Black Friday. I just was like, oh, I should probably buy that. Because there's... It's pop... It's... It's popular enough and it's well-known enough that it vanishing from Crunchyroll would be noticed. Or it vanishing from Funimation would be noticed. But it that's not that's not a impossibility. As for like character goods and stuff like that, that's something that I, I personally set up rules for myself. For, for me personally, if I'm gonna buy character goods, I have it. It has to be from a show that from a show or property I've seen. I lean towards strong female characters and through those two rules I keep myself from buying like 9 million I, I discount the idea of buying 9 million Gokus from Dragon Ball Z not that there's anything wrong with that I just that's not what I want to spend my time or effort or money I'd rather spend my time and effort and money you know, hunting down the cool-ass little Sharon figure I have from Japan that I found on eBay forever ago that's really rare and cool and interesting and is, like, an inch tall or something. <laughs> Just because I, I... That's what I'm more interested in as a nerdy pursuit as a figure collector. Um... I also don't want to give over, like, an entire room of my house to, um, Ikea glass display cases. <laughs> it's not a thing I want to do. When I see it, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's cool, but then I'm immediately like, oh, yeah, they sacrificed the room to that. And if you... If I would say there's an impulse, a bad impulse to collect a culture in anime, I would say it's that. The... <laughs> There's so much junk you can buy. And in... On one level, buying that junk somehow supports that property. I understand that. You know, um, a great moment in Kingdom Dreams of Madness is if you go watch the documentary about Studio Ghibli, the, like, really good, well-produced documentary about Studio Ghibli. They've done a couple, and that's probably the best one in my opinion, is they sit down with the merchandising team. And the merchandising team is like, this is how much money we fucking make from selling, the, like, 
Studio Ghibli character goods. And, like, it's, it's a lot of money, spoiler alert. So, some of that, like, those goods do contribute to the, um, to the, like, studios and to the properties. Um, the, when the, uh, KyoAni fire happened, one of the ways you could help was you could go to GoFundMe. They had a, somebody set up a GoFundMe and, like, that money got there. I donated, like, I donated some amount of money. People donated a lot of money to that, including me. But the other way you could help, and I did this, too, I bought them and literally just, like, saved them somewhere and didn't think about it, was they are one of the few studios that have a direct, like, Studio Ghibli, that have a direct store to their operation. So, like, somebody posted instructions on how to pay, like, 500 yen for, um, high-res digital, for high-res digital, um, art from them. So, like, you could go in for five bucks. You could, gi- you could give them five bucks for something they didn't have to produce. It, that you could just click a download tab on. You could use the system of like music streaming to just give them money, which is amazing. And tons of people did that too, including me. I've got like, I just like logged on, scrolled for a little bit, clicked two that I kind of liked, and gave them money. And if there were more places like Studio Ghibli and like Kill Annie, that impulse that impulse that you feel would be correct. Of I should buy this because it will support the artist. But too often, there is not. There is not a good way to do that. Even on something like Right Stuff, Right Stuff actually. Straight up was like, we are fucking fire sailing every kill anything we can find in our warehouse. Like, this is a post-it that, like, has Chi from Miss Kobayashi on it. Here. We don't know how to sell this, but we will sell this and we will get this money. And they committed, like, something like 100% over the like operating cost of just getting this stuff to you to KyoAni so they could help the studio. That was a huge, like, moment of charity for the anime world, which we should, which anybody who participates in should continue to always feel proud of. But the... The long and short of it is, if you're dealing with somebody like Right Stuff, they're, they're literally... They're going as close to the stores as they can. But if you're dealing with something like Amazon... A, you're not going to get a great... You're not going to get a great deal. You're just not. Because Right Stuff has longer... Has longer and more specific relationships with these people. You, you're you not necessarily going to get a real product. That makes any sense. Generally speaking, unless you're told otherwise. And lots of times even then, if you're told otherwise. Any animation cell, any um, wall scroll, many times even any poster that you see for sale is probably fake. It's just probably fake. Doesn't mean they're any like better, any better or worth looking, or any better or worth 
like quality. It just means that they're not produced by whatever the closest source of the thing is. And if you want to be a good collector and if you want to be a holistic collector and take part in collector culture the way it was designed to keep the industry alive, it's good to know those things and it's good to seek those things out and make sure that you are, um, like, participating in good faith. Now, there's, there is, like, secondhand culture. I, um, hilariously, from my ex-girlfriend, I bought a, um, Botan figure, secondhand. And, like, you can go to, anim- you can go to anime conventions when anime conventions are allowed to happen again. And you can find all kinds of, like, second-hand collectors who are selling, like, inbox mint things. Like, I have hilariously a, um, Kaoru from, um, from, um, Roni Kenshin that I bought from a, you know, a, like, age-old collector dude in a, um, in a, in a convention in New Jersey forever ago, and I, I love her, she needs her broom to stand up, but still, I, I really like that figure, do I think that, like, you know, the production committee for Roni Kenjin got a cent of that money, absolutely not, but do I think that, like, when I, and do I think that, like, the production committee got a cent of the money for the, um, what's it called, the, um, for any figure that you buy, from, uh, not from the actual toy company that makes those figures? No, not really. Because the middleman has already paid that money, and they are upcharging it, and selling it to you. So just what I would say overall is the the and the last thing I want to say actually is um the other thing about physical collecting that you have to be careful of is physical collecting requires space. I can't tell you the amount of my of my older cohort who complain about the sheer amount of space their DVD collections take up, their figure collections take up, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like a teenager or you're like a a very young adult, like 18, 19, trust me, you will get more space for your stuff eventually. You just will. But like once you're an adult and you own an apartment or a house, you you just get more space. That's that's how it works. But the other thing is, is you have to think about how much space you want for yourself and how much space you want for your stuff. At some point you, you like hit a hit a scenario where you, your stuff takes up more room than you do and it, I don't like the idea of living in a museum. And some people do. The um, Crunchyroll, and I found this immensely fucked up, um, actually, because I it came off as this like homage to consumerism in anime culture. <laughs> Crunchyroll did 
this series of stuff called, like, Look at My Anime Room. And there was a dude who had, who had been in the army stationed in Japan f- for, like, maybe past 10 years, past maybe 20 years. And he had, like, set up his basement of his house in Japan as this, like, private display of Dragon Ball Z merchandise. It was wild. It was cool. But at the same point, I all I thought was, like, A, that's his basement. He could walk up out of that thing and be fine. B, I don't... I wouldn't want to live in that. Because, like, I... I just wouldn't want to live in that. It's just not a thing I would want to live in. It would drive me a little batty after a while. And so, like, I'm fine with my anime figures. I, you know, I went out and I got um, anime movie posters along the, with, along the same um, line, rules that I had for the figures. You know, I, I have a cool uh, Japanese ukiyo-e inspired print of like Tony Stark in a workshop but I also have real and repro- and reproduction works of like original um art nouveau prints from like the from the period of time when Alphonse Musha was alive it's literally signed by him I have a large scale poster I have photos I've taken from all over the world a collector culture can be really can be really additive to your fandom if you do it right is what i will say if you do it if you do it wrong it can just be like a drain on your pocketbook and if if you pay attention to what you're doing it, you'll know when you hit that wrong what, what, you'll know when you cross the line, so to speak. And that's different for everybody. For some people, it crossing the line is when, like, you stop opening the boxes for the figures. For some people, crossing the line is when you your display area, like, starts to be too big. And, it's, like I said, it's different for everybody. So... Um, I just wanted to talk about collector culture because, like I said at the beginning of this, anime is one of the few physical media markets that continues to grow. And last thing I'll say is, if you if you remember that anime, that wrestling etchy anime, um, I want to be the strongest in the world. And this is still true today. Actually, there's still a couple shows every year that come out with the Universal logo on the front of them. The reason stuff like I Want to Be the Strongest in the World was produced in the first place is because Universal was like, anime is the only thing that's growing. Anime is the only physical media market that is on the upswing constantly. It would be a good idea for us to make some of our money in that so we can maintain physical media sales at any kind of numbers that make it worth it for us. So just 
just remember that, like, your physical media habit has value to the comp to the companies that sell you the stuff seriously. Maybe not you individually, but like you, like us as a fandom. Like if we all stopped buying DVDs, a we would stop owning the sh- our favorite shows, because as much as you think you own, say Yu Yu Hakusho, and you are watching it on you know, Hulu or Crunchyroll or Funimation, you don't, you own the right to go in there and watch the episode. We saw this with, um, that Dragon, that, um, Monster Girl brothel show, Ishizoku Reviewer, that, that vanished. It, it vanished. It's being licensed by Sentai again. You'll be able to buy a physical version of it. But that'll be the way you'll be able to see that show in America. Because it it got dropped from a lot of networks at once, let's say. Because the network didn't fully understand what they were buying. And I don't think that anything was communicated clearly there. But that's the case for physical, for buying physical releases of shows is... This, these are all pieces of paper sitting in a drawer collecting dr- dust. When when you watch when you watch um Sport Climbing Girls, which is a and is where I'll end it. That's a deal somebody made over like a bunch of emails and a bunch of like marketing people poking each other constantly. At some point that de- the 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 clock on that deal runs out and if you don't want to pay the money again if if the um companies don't want to pay the money again that show goes in a vault somewhere that's just how it works the way to stop to not have that happen is for you to go out and buy the blu-ray release uh, of that show when it does come out um and that's really what they want you to do. Oftentimes, it's less true now, but the anime used to function like a, um, almost like an infomercial for the, <laughs> for the Blu-ray release because it would be less censored. They they go back into the anime, to the animation, and fix all the weird little hiccups um, that they couldn't fix in time for broadcast. So just like did, I just wanted to go over like the the concept of collector culture here because it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing that's unique to nerd culture, but even still pretty unique in the way of until fairly recently to anime culture. It was not, it was not super common in, like, Marvel Comics fandom for people to own box sets of seven and eight movies until Marvel movies, until Marvel Studios started making movies people cared about. And not just, like, Blade. Um, (laughs) But in anime, it was like... 
if you only dropped $150 on, if you only dropped 50 bucks on a, on the box set collection of Caracano, that was a good day. Um, or you only dropped 150 bucks on the, this is a true thing, VHS, VHS box set, which is a nightmare thing, of the first half of the first season of Ranma One Half. I just lit up a whole bunch of lights in people's heads and caused, like, weird flashbacks, believe me. Um, but on that note, my name has been Alex, uh, or I'm, I, I've been Alex, you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. New episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is a more focused show, is a show more focused on, like, a single series or a single, um, movie. I've been doing a lot of movies just because that's what I've had the brain space for. Um, I did do Golden Comedy the week before, um, but this, but the Sunday shows are usually like this. They come out at, like, 10 in the morning because they're designed to be almost like an anime version of Sunday mornings. Um, but, like I said, if you like it, you can subscribe. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to it and whatever you can listen to me right now. But I'm running a little long in the tooth. So I will talk to you on Thursday. day.